0: magic lamp. wonder what happens when I rob it. You have awakened me. I shall grant you three wishes. My first wish is for economic development. My second wish is to save hours of travel time. And my third wish is to create safer roads. You could have just wished for Bus Rapid Transit and gotten all these things with one wish. Make all your transit wishes come true. Learn more about Bus Rapid Transit at indigo.net slash bus dash rapid dash transit.
1: Good morning. It is Thursday, October 27th, and trending this hour, YouTube. They've introduced a new ambient mode. It allows the background color to change in real time. The app will change subtly the color of your background to match the video that you're watching. Also trending, The Girl with a Pearl Earring. You might be familiar with this painting. It's by Vermeer and it hangs in the Hague. Three climate activists have now glued themselves to the picture after pouring what looks to be tomato soup on top of themselves. And finally trending, Pine-Sol. Clorox is recalling 37 million bottles of Pine-Sol that could contain bacteria. Six minutes after 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And Democrat Senate candidate Tom McDermott has a podcast. And for some, this pay for influence is raising some concerns for people.
0: So Star has the story. And while we have been very critical of Star in some things, we give them credit when credit is due. This is a very good piece and we all know my opinion on the Republican in that race, so nobody's going to say, well, he's just doing that because he's they're getting the Democrat. No, this is a really big deal. So, Tom McDermott is the Democrat candidate for secret, uh, for uh, United States Senate. Mm-hmm. And he is the mayor of Hammond, Indiana. Mm-hmm. He has been the mayor of Hammond for, I think this is his fourth term that he's on. He has a podcast that he does. Twice weekly. Which is done for profit. And that is raising a lot of red flags because multiple people who advertise on this podcast have contracts, according to Star, mm-hmm. with the city of Hammond.
1: It ranges from construction companies to breweries, all different sorts of companies.
0: And there is nothing wrong with someone having a podcast while they're a mayor. Lots of mayors do, and it's a great way to get information out to people. And there is nothing wrong technically, although it's a little weird. Like if you're on the, say, the, I'm just picking a, a place here, the Plainfield Town Council. That is a part, very part time job, right? They either meet once or twice a month, whatever it is. And so you would expect that that other person is going to have a part-time job in which they make money somewhere else, some sort of other financial endeavor, a full-time job, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I was an elected person, I owned my own business, businesses plural. That, you know, that was my full-time job. I was the pharmacy board director for a while, whatever. So that's not unusual. But when you're a mayor and that is your job, the idea that you would be doing something else for profit I think raises a lot of red flags with people, and rightfully so, because being the mayor should basically be a 24 hours a day, seven day a week job. And if you don't want that, don't be a mayor. We got into it, and you were not here yet, but when Todd Rokita, it came out, I think last year, had another job while he was attorney general, and he ultimately gave up that job and then wouldn't give up the goods on information surrounding that job. It's like, dude, you're making almost six figures, plus the bennies and everything else. You were a congressman before that. You need another job? And the fact that this podcast, according to is selling advertising to people who have contracts with the city of Hammond, that's a big deal.
1: So the podcast is called Left of Center Show. And McDermott says that he plans to continue it. And he is a twenty eight percent owner in the podcast.
0: Now they are saying, according to Indie Star, that they do not take money because he owns this with some other people. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I love the idea that they own part of a podcast. Like mm-hmm. I could do it in my bedroom for in I could set up a podcast in my bedroom in ten minutes. So I don't know what that means. They own part of a podcast fractional ownership. I, he I probably
1: gets twenty eight percent of the profits well, from the advertisers.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. Is they were saying they don't take money out of the money that comes in, they put it back into the podcast, which again, like, dude, right now, Rob Kendall, I do you know, I still do uh, a weekly coaches show with a high school football coach. Mm-hmm. You can do it right now. It's, it's it's like I don't know what that means, but the fact of the matter is he's also said if he is elected to the u s. Senate, he will not stop doing this podcast, according to Andy Starr. And again, it's like, dude, you would be a U.S. senator and be doing a for-profit podcast. I mean, this just—it just, whether it's technically wrong, legally wrong—I I don't know. I don't think so. I would guess he's a mayor. He's probably—he's running for U.S. Senate. He's probably checked all his boxes. But the idea that you're a mayor and you're getting money for something that you—I mean, whether you actually are pulling the money out or not, you're making money off of. With people that your city is doing business
1: with, seems like a conflict of interest.
0: He, it's just, it,
1: it's just. So the co-owner of the podcast is named Kevin Smith, and he volunteers on McDermott's Senate campaign. He estimated the podcast generates between ten and twenty thousand dollars per year. And Tom McDermott came out about an hour ago. And here's what he said regarding this IndyStar article. I think clearly communicating with my constituents is good government. And I plan to keep this podcast after I become U.S. senator.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK, so so, so he's confirmed he's going to keep doing it, which mm-hmm. he's. He t- I'm sorry, Tom, you have as much chance of being a U.S. senator as I do. And it's zero. You had your chance and you blew it. Um, but the the idea that you want to have a podcast as a mayor is great. There's no problem with that whatsoever. I think You know me, Casey. I think transparency is the most wonderful thing in the world.
1: Yeah, Jim Banks has a podcast.
0: It takes, again, if you know what you're doing, Mm -hmm. and surely in the entire city of Hammond government structure, someone knows how to stream something to YouTube, which costs $0 to do, that you could put together a podcast with about $150 worth of equipment, and post it on YouTube for $0, and you wouldn't have to be involved in it at all as an owner. You're doing this to brand yourself. You're not branding the city of Hammond. You're branding you. Mm -hmm. And when you're branding you, because you're an owner in it, again, If he had the Mayor Tom McDermott show, and it is posted to YouTube or Spotify or wherever else twice a week, and he just shows up and interviews somebody, no problem with that whatsoever. But
1: that's not what is happening No, 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 no.
0: He's selling ads, and they're making money, Mm -hmm. and it's with people, in some cases, who have contracts with the city, Mm -hmm. and that's bad.
1: The standard rate on this podcast is $60 per episode.
0: But then they went into what his wife paid when she was running for judge. Was that right, in the story? I thought I saw that in there somewhere, that like she was paying. Yes. McDermott, according to Andy Sirman, McDermott's wife, Marissa McDermott, discloses she paid $171 per spot when she filed campaign finance paperwork for her Lake County Circuit Judge campaign. So, if the standard rate is $60, And your wife, who's running for public office, is paying $171. Now, look, I know that podcasts are not governed the same way we are governed by the FCC in terms of where we are required. So, for those of you who don't know, unless the rule has changed, I don't think it has. Maybe it has. I don't think so like when I own my radio station, Mm -hmm. you're required to give candidates for public office at what they call your lowest applicable rate, Mm -hmm. which means whatever your greatest discount is or whatever, that's what you have to give candidates for public office your rate at. Also, learn lesson here, because this is what we do. This is why if you give to a candidate directly, your dollars go much further than if you give to a super PAC, because a candidate let's say the lowest rate on a station is $5 a commercial, certainly more than that here, but whatever. (laughs) They can get all those ads for $5 a commercial for vote for Fred Jones Mm -hmm. versus the super Mm PAC does not get the lowest rate because they're not the candidate. Right. So when you give money to a super PAC and they're buying TV time or radio time, it is incredibly more expensive. Point is, though, this lady is buying ads on her husband's Podcast mm-hmm. while she's running for public office, and she's paying almost what appears to be three times what the standard rate card is, and the rate card is well, well, identifying. Why is that not a red flag for everyone?
1: the The rate card is also, and the rate card is the list of how much commercials cost. Uh, the rate card is identifying McDermott as the mayor. Yeah, well, so I, they're branding the show around him,
0: and he, sure, no, it's it's very clear. He this is Mayor Tom McDermott, and right. again, it comes back to. No problem with the mayor having a podcast. I think that's great. I think every mayor should do that. I think that's wonderful. Post it to YouTube or your your, your yeah. town's or city's website. Great. But the problem is, he's making money on it. He's doing business with people who are doing business with the city. They're branding him as the mayor. His wife, it looks like, is paying three times what everybody else is paying as a candidate for public office. And by the way, I'd love for Tom McDermott to release the numbers on what a Tom McDermott podcast is generating in terms of clicks each week, because that, yes, that wasn't available. $60 an episode? Mm-hmm. Like, dude, if you have a, again, I don't know, say if you were the mayor of, again, I'm just picking a place, Greenwood. I, I'm not trying to pick on the mayor of Greenwood. This just, is just a first name. It's like at the end of Ghostbusters. Pick the first thing that comes into your head, it will destroy you. <laughs> um, the mayor of Greenwood has a podcast. How many people outside of Greenwood are going to listen to it? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, zero. And how many people even in Greenwood? You see the town council attendance or city council meeting attendance? There's like eight people there. The fact that this dude is pulling in $60, I want to see those numbers and how he's generating 60 bucks an episode.
1: Maybe he's getting people from Chicago.
0: Yeah, I'm sure the Chicago audience is clamoring for what Tom McDermott, the mayor of Hammond, has to say. So, for all you people, you're so mean to the Republicans if you just give the Democrats a free pass. There's a whole segment on how bad something a Democrat's doing. You happy now?
1: (laughs) 16 Minutes After 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Two weeks away from the midterm elections and President Biden is using all of his public events to show how his administration is trying, trying so hard to reduce costs for families. So the push is coming as uh, inflation is averaging 8.2% over the past year. It's been a real drag on his approval ratings, putting Democrats at a disadvantage with voters. And it's been a real drag on our finances. But guess what? President Walnut, he's really optimistic about everything.
2: So anyway, I'm optimistic. It's going to take some time. And uh, I appreciate the frustration of the American people.
1: He's appreciating your frustration. I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Isn't that like something you would get on hold with a business (laughs) if, you know, they mailed you the wrong, you know, I don't know, pair of socks or whatever? (laughs) Hey, Socks Incorporated, this was not the pair of socks that I ordered. We share in your frustration.
1: It's it's going to take some time to correct this error. I I appreciate your frustration. We'll take care of that for you really quickly.
0: Am I wrong that I heard that and I was just like that is so utterly ridiculous. I mean not it, with him it doesn't matter. It's not like he, that's the first ridiculous thing he will say that day or any other day, but it's just like really? I share what frustration do you share in pal? Uh-huh. What 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 about your life is frustrating? Condescending? Yeah, I mean it's like dude, you live in the White House. Right. You have you have uh, you know well, most of the best time, chefs in the world when making... he's
1: not on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes he lives there.
0: You have totally rigged the system so we're not only you with zero talent, but your loser kid who has even less talent than you do are millionaires. Mm -hmm. Well, you share in my frustration. He
1: keeps claiming that prices are approaching pre pandemic levels. For who?
0: (laughs) Arby's just took away the happy hour.
1: (laughs) It's true. He's doing everything he can for working families. And now he keeps talking about getting rid of junk fees. Like overdraft fees and hidden fees at your hotel, and when you book a flight, it just I, I have the question written down hey, how's that $225 working out for you? But do you still have that money that the state of Indiana gave back to you? Well, I do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> do you think uh, most people do? Uh, on average, American families are losing six thousand dollars this year to inflation. Well, and this six thousand dollars, Rob.
0: Yes, and that is why. And it was back when you know the two women had the show. The um, chicks on the Right. chicks on the right. Yeah, and we we would talk about this. I don't know. Oh, it's funny, Kevin. It's okay. You can laugh. That's funny. Oh, I was going to help you out there. And oh, thank it you. Was, it
2: was Mock and yeah. uh, Mock and Daisy.
0: Yes. Um, <laughs> We would you know, talk about this and say, look, you can think this is the greatest thing in the world that you're getting, I forget what the checks were, $1,200 or $600 or whatever it was, and you can skip your way down to the nearest iPhone store and buy that or whatever, but Sally and Johnny, you're going to pay for this big time, way more than that six or $1,200 or whatever it is, and now these people are looking around going, well, gee, This is outrageous. Everything's so expensive. Yeah, why do you think that is? If people would just listen to this show, Casey, we could literally govern from the microphone and America would be an infinitely better country. You know, isn't that the way they used to do it? The fireside chats. We could just fireside chat our way from these airwaves every single day.
1: (laughs) So Biden, like I mentioned, he's trying to get rid of junk fees. And he's, he's claiming that airline seats are more expensive and unfair to black people so how can an airline seat be racist you know what let's just let's just
2: play the audio some airlines if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front you pay more money but you don't know it until you purchase your ticket Look folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair and they hit marginalized Americans the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. They benefit big corporations, not consumers.
0: So, space in your seat mm-hmm. on the airline mm-hmm. harms people of color? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so Casey, you, you you have to help me and Kevin you can as well because you're the flyers here. Uh I have been on an airplane one time in the past four years, and I certainly did not sit in any sort of fancy seat, and I was surrounded by people of all sexes and ethnicities, Mm -hmm. and no one appeared to be complaining that the lack of space in between the seats, which is small. I will grant you, it's very small. But nobody was saying that they're punishing was me. racist. Yeah, that I'm being punished because I'm black. When you
1: ordered your ticket, did you say I would like to sit in a non-racist row? <laughs> I would like for my seat to be the non-racist seat.
0: And if it is indeed punishing people of color, which color? Because I felt punished, and I am white.
1: <laughs> what does he even know about needing leg room on a flight? He's flying around in an airborne mansion. Air Force One has over 4,000 square feet. It's got a conference room, a dining room, an office, a bedroom, a bathroom, a medical room, an operating room. It has a galley.
0: I just. (laughs) You can't. 81 million legal votes, Casey.
1: I, I I don't know, but who had uh, legroom equality as the Democrats' yeah. message? It's the, new,
0: it's the new talking
1: point. <laughs> Is that it?
0: That's the new narrative vote for the, blue. the Vote blue this fall.
1: More legroom on your flight. It's an injustice. We'll get it solved. It's 1127. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Working on a night move. Here we go. Trying to make some Seeger, this is can get behind. Moves, on Kendall supposed, and Casey on you, 93 WIBC. Weren't you
0: supposed to get us somebody with Bob Seeger? are not we supposed to do something?
1: I didn't get a response, so thanks for bringing that up.
0: Was it was it Bob Seeger you were going to get yeah. on the show? Yeah. Because he's uh, from Detroit, right? Yeah. I,
1: I didn't get a response, so thanks for pouring salt in that wound. It's going to take me a minute to get over it. How did you know Bob Seeger? Let's talk about John Fetterman, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> i right on to a different subject. <laughs> Kevin, don't ask those questions live on the air.
0: No, I've learned my lesson. Well, okay. Rob actually started it.
1: <laughs> so, after getting their first look at John Fetterman on uh, Tuesday night's debate in Pennsylvania, now even some Democrats are second-guessing his decision to appear on the stage. Yeah, This happens no just five months after a stroke, and some question whether he should have remained on the ballot at all.
0: Well, look, we're going to find out how powerful the vote counting is in Philadelphia because, you know, it's like before any great athletic conquest, you know, there's extra training. We've all seen the Rocky movies and know the montages. Well, the vote counters in Philadelphia after that debate went into hyper uh, montage mode with No Easy Way Out playing in the background as he as, because they are going to have to go into overdrive any person with a firing synapse in their brain who is remotely honest with themselves knows, dude, Dr. Oz is a zero. But if Oz is a zero, this guy's negative infinity. I mean, there's, there's no intellectually honest person who could pull the lever for J- John Fetterman after what they saw the other night.
1: Well, let's take a listen to this guy. He's an independent voter in Pennsylvania. And here's how he felt after watching that debate.
0: So I was definitely, uh, I'm an independent, by the way, I
2: was definitely leaning towards Fetterman, and I think I have totally changed to the Oz side. Why? I felt that... um Fetterman, I felt that Fetterman just looked like he didn't have command of the facts. I do think
0: his condition, unfortunately, is going to affect his ability to do the job. I thought Oz uh, was pretty clear on the issues, um, and I thought he presented himself well and uh, definitely threw out some plans where I didn't see
2: any plans coming out of Fetterman.
1: So he talked a lot about the appearance and the delivery and being able to articulate their message. And when I first heard this guy talking, I thought, okay, this is all based on the performance and the debate, but don't you want to know where they stand on policy? Like, what they actually want to do? And he did mention, Oz threw out some plans and he didn't hear Fetterman throw out any plans. They're so opposite on the spectrum of their ideas that even if you set all of the debacle of that debate aside and the stroke and the issues, their, their policies are so different. How could you be leaning towards one and then switch completely to the other?
0: Well, that was going to be my question. is What was going on in that guy's world where he thought, even walking into this, that John Fetterman, and this is what should scare the hell out of people, is that save for John Fetterman having a complete meltdown of his neurological functions... He would probably be cruising to be a U.S. senator, and John Fetterman is a total loser. I mean, what you know, he's like a basement dweller who got a job in the government, and he's another Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. And like these are the worst among us, and we keep promoting them to the highest level among us. What is going on in your world, even before Fetterman? Whatever's going on with him, that you looked at this guy's life and his governance and his—I mean, he's Casey. He's the lieutenant governor. He, this guy, mm-hmm. this total zero, is has risen to the second most powerful person in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What does that say about us as a collective? It does. Look, whether Fetterman wins or loses, it's it's almost it doesn't matter. We've already lost as a, as a society that people like this rise to these levels. He's already
1: in power and just wants to keep rising higher.
0: And and correct me if I'm wrong, Fetterman has never done anything outside of I mean of, of note, like in terms of a job mm-hmm. outside of a government and by government job I'm not trying to demean people who work for the government. I'm saying like an elected official person. He was the mayor of somewhere and did a terrible job at that. He was the lieutenant governor and did a terrible job at that. Did I miss a step <laughs> in 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 between? and and look, the, whether Oz wins or not, it's going to be close, and we will all have lost as a society that despite the fact of who this guy is, how he's governed, and then the fact that he just completely is incapable of forming sentences or understanding many sentences, he's still almost going to become a United States Senator. Like if Oz wins, it'll be like 51, 49, 52, 48. Why? Like, why are, Why are people, Casey, so afraid? To walk away from the two-party system. Hmm. No, I, 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 I'm like I'm. I
1: think uh, we we've had this conversation. A lot of people are afraid that if they vote libertarian, all it's going to do is split the ticket and promote a Democrat party.
0: But but I did, which
1: is what they. And I know. And you're going to say, but what's the difference? Right. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Right. But this is, this, this is
0: my question. And, and I knew it was going to come. And, I, and it, it took longer than I thought for the people to finally kneel at the Republican altar who are going to vote for Todd Young. And, you know, some guy yesterday, I love on Twitter, he goes, You're going to beat me up over this. And I said, Dude, what does that say about your vote and what you know about your vote when your reaction is you're concerned about what a radio broadcaster is going to say about your vote? You know your vote is so abhorrent, and you feel so bad about that vote that your response is, "I know you're going to beat me up over." That. Like you're explaining yourself. Like people feel Todd Young is such a bad choice that people feel they need to explain it to me.
1: Well, but wasn't wasn't that guy a father though? Well, there were. Didn't, all, he, there didn't were multiple he mention? Ones. Didn't he mention something about he was a father and yes. children? And and this is the thing. Okay, so with someone like McDermott or Destiny Wells, you know, we talk about the on-demand abortion all the time, and if this is something that you're completely against, but you're not in love with a Republican and where they stand, and you feel like, I want to go with a Libertarian, you know it's a, they're not going to win, so you feel like you're wasting that vote, and that's just going to split the ticket, and that's just going to elevate a Democrat, and you don't want that.
0: But, but why aren't they going to win, Casey? Because there's... Because no, no, you much, almost m- said it. There's you you too much
1: it. money in the other parties no. to make every nook and cranny covered in the state of Indiana. No,
0: Casey, they aren't going to win because if every person who said they can't win actually voted for them, they would have a pretty good chance of winning. It's
1: also awareness, Rob. We're talking about the outlying counties. So basically, not what, everybody can hear WIBC in northern Indiana unless they go online and do it.
0: Yeah, but so what you're saying, basically, Casey. Is that no matter what candidate the liber- so the libertarians will never have a better candidate for statewide or never have had a better candidate for statewide office. And look, we're saying libertarian because here in Indiana they have ballot access. It could be an independent, right? It could be another party in another state. Uh, we're talking about third parties as a collective. For Jesse, you know, Vitura was the Reform Party, whatever. What you're saying is, so right now for the Libertarians in Indiana, they have, they have done everything right since Rainwater was able to capitalize on Holcomb's terribleness. I don't know if that's a word. Let me, let me finish. I don't know if terribleness is a word or not, but I'm going to use it. And they said, if you give us an opportunity and take a flyer on Donald Rainwater, we will build this party based on that momentum. The past two years, they have done that. They have added many more county parties. Mm -hmm. They have added more infrastructure. Mm -hmm. They've started filling out ballots. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, at the most important race, the Secretary of State, they have nominated the best candidate they have ever run for statewide office in Jeff Moore. Mm -hmm. What people are saying then, essentially, is it doesn't matter what you do, because if we just voted for you, When we say you can't win, you would win, but it doesn't matter whether you nominate good candidates or not, because we're just so wed to this crap that these two other parties throw at us. What are we doing here? I mean, my question is, John Fetterman, Bernie Sanders, Todd Young, Diego Morales, what are we doing here? And when do we say it's enough? If you vote for Diego, you are saying it is never enough. No matter what garbage they throw at me, I will pull the lever for that. So what are we doing here? How do you sit here? If you are listening right now, how do you nod every day and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it comes time to vote, you go, well, but. Well, then what are you doing every day? You're listening to us because you believe in what we're telling you. And then when it comes time to do something about it, you do the exact opposite, which keeps the thing going that you claim to not want to go. 48% of that state's going to vote for John Fetterman. The guy can't string three words together. What are... What are we doing as us collectives here, Casey? Help me.
1: I'm trying. All I'm saying is that there is a big difference, and a lot of it comes down to the money. Todd Young has raised what? He's got $5 million cash on hand to get his message out there to blanket the state of Indiana with his name, his photo, his door knockers, his picture, his commercial, all of it, Right. Right. Plus 12 years behind him in the seat. Sure. So name recognition built in. Right. How much does James Siniak have on hand? $6,000. $6,000 versus $5
0: million. So right here. Okay, boom. Perfect. Uh, this is why when everybody calls our hotline and says you should run for governor, I tell you I'm needed here. <laughs> because you know what would likely happen? Is I would go in as a third party and I would dominate the airwaves, earned media, Mm -hmm. I would raise enough to be competitive, Mm -hmm. and I would beat the hell out of whatever stooge the Republicans put up for governor, and I would beat up the Democrat, and people would be ready to storm the Bastille, and then we'd get to the very end, Mm -hmm. and the race would be super close, and there would be just enough people, because by and large, the public operates on cowardice, who would pull for the Republican, and it would be a giant waste of time. This is what these votes are about right now to people, and it's amazing they don't get it. It's not for the moment. You're building for the future. If you go in there and pull the lever for Jeff Moore, it's not about Jeff Moore. Let's face it, the dude is probably not going to win. But winning isn't getting the most votes. It's about that vote and that 10% enabling a third party who has lived up to what we told them was expected of them, if you took a flyer on Donald Rainwater, that we are going to continue, what is it, a hand up, a hand up not a hand out. And they have done their part. And if you actually want good people to run in the future, that's what that's about. And we it's just, it, I, I don't know, man, when I the Fetterman thing just... It just brings it all back up again for me because you can't do any worse. You can't do any worse than John. Mm-mm. There is no candidate in America that's worse than John Fetterman. Mm-mm. If it is, show it to me, and he'll get at least forty-eight percent of the vote.
1: It's eleven forty-four with Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC.
2: Loves me. Oh yeah. Lord, I can't go
1: back there. Little Ardine little Taylor. Mm-hmm. Me. Oh yeah. Wait, Lord, here comes I the best can't go part. Back
2: there. I'm a shy.
0: So, did you play that on any of your stations when you were program director? No,
1: but I have that in my uh, playlist of my own personal oh, really? eclectic yeah. mix of songs. Yeah,
0: It's one of the best songs ever written about Indiana. Mm-hmm. It's
1: 1149 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Federal charges against Hunter Biden of tax violations and lying on a gun application form are just a drop in the bucket of what he could be charged with. But there's this representative from Kentucky who says the indictment may come against him to save him.
0: So you want to talk about how the system is rigged in favor of the rich and powerful. Look, Hunter Biden, the, the, the Republicans are 100% without a doubt going to win the house. Like to steal a sports betting, you know, phrase here. Like there's a if you watch a football game on ESPN, they've got a tracker thing where they give you the probability that the team will win based on the circumstances as the game is going on. Yeah. It's like a 98% chance the Republicans are going to win the house. And immediately they will start the investigations against Hunter Biden. Mm -hmm. But if Hunter Biden is under federal indictment, he is not compelled to cooperate with any sort of subpoena from the House of Representatives because of the right to protect against self incrimination. Mm -hmm. And so, what this guy's name is, uh, James Comer. He's a U.S. rep from Kentucky. He lays it out on why the FBI, because we were like, what is this random act of honesty and accountability taking place from the feds when they're leaking out Hunter Biden indictment. Inevitable. It's right around the corner. He spells it out. They're doing this to protect him.
2: Well, those charges that were outlined in the Washington Post are just a drop in the bucket. You mentioned from the Marco Polo report uh, all the other charges that he could be charged with right now. He could be indicted in court with the evidence that's already floating around just from his laptop. Now, I'm finally in possession of two of the 150 suspicious activity reports, and I can confirm to you that uh, there are at least a dozen charges that the FBI could today indict him in, in front of a grand jury on. And why they have not, that is a big question. That's a question that Jim Jordan and I are going to try to get to the bottom of. But at the, at the very least, my concern is if he gets indicted for lying on a gun application and for tax evasion, then that essentially protects him from congressional oversight because he's going to get a subpoena in a Republican majority from the House Oversight Committee. I don't think that's any secret. But when he doesn't show up for his subpoena, it's going to go to court. We're going to take it to court. We may hold him in contempt of Congress. You know, we'll look at our options at that point. The judge is probably going to say, well, look, he's already under federal investigation, he's already under indictment. So we're not going to require him to go in front of your Congressional Oversight Committee. And that's disappointing because the Oversight Committee is really the committee that's going to get to the bottom of all the wrongdoing, of all the influence peddling, not just from Hunter Biden, but the entire Biden crime family. So we need to have Hunter Biden in front of a Congressional Committee and this indictment for uh, these petty charges, that's not going to cut it.
1: So Marco Polo is the watchdog group he referred to, and they've documented 459 violations of state and federal offenses after they look through the laptop from hell. Not state and federal offenses, 459. But yet this is the guy who gets to fly around on Air Force One with daddy. He gets to watch the fireworks on the nation's birthday right there in the balcony of the White House. 459 offenses.
0: The system is rigged against regular people. And that's a big part of Trump's original campaign in 2016. And why so many people took a flyer on Donald Trump, because they recognize that the system is rigged in favor of the rich, in favor of the powerful, in favor of the connected, in favor of the people who can help the politicians in the moment. And Hunter Biden is not going to be indicted, if indeed he is, because they want to get him. They're going to get him on the lowest thing possible to protect him from having to go appear in front of these committees where he will give up the stuff that really matters, a.k.a. 10% for the big guy. For the big guy. Hey, can we close on something positive? Yeah. Do you have something, or I d- do you want I d- me to pick? No, I, d- I do. I do, and I really wanted to get to this, because <laughs> okay. it gives us an opportunity to tell people how right we were, and how, you know how I love to do that. Uh, new poll, The Newsmax had the story. According to the University of North Florida Public Opinion Research mm-hmm. Laboratory, shows Ron DeSantis yeah. receiving 55% of the vote, compared to 41% for Democrat Charlie Crist.
1: Mm-hmm. That is good news. He's got a big lead. That's now, a mandate. Now, he, now, you said 5% was the number.
0: I, if he wins, which I've waved bye-bye to that a long time ago, I mm-hmm. think he will probably win between 8 and 10%. And 5% was the number, and I stand by that, for him to run for president. Mm-hmm. Because Florida is has been the most prized swing state in the union. And if you are an undecided voter, why, why would you not look at that and go, gee, would I rather have a candidate who can boat race Democrats in a purple state, or would I rather have a candidate that is calling porn stars horse face, including members of the media that they were bleeding badly from facelifts mm-hmm. and have Rudy Giuliani with hair dye dripping down the side of his face and whatever other drama, you know, who knows what it'll be over the next two years. People are going to start looking at this and they're going to start thinking it through whether Ron DeSantis wins by eight or 10 or 12 or 14. After 5%, it, it doesn't matter. Ron DeSantis. Is the guy to lead the Republican Party.
1: Now, a couple of weeks ago, when Hurricane Ian ripped through Fort Myers and destroyed a huge portion of Florida, I believe I made the comment something like, watch how he leads the state through this because it will play an important part. And some of the polling is coming out and he's getting 63 to 66% approval rating of handling Hurricane Ian. And earlier in the show, I asked Abdul the question, hey, you know, what's a good approval rating number? Because I was curious about that, what he would say. And he mentioned anything above 50% is good. So Ron DeSantis getting between 63 and 65% approval rating for his handling of that hurricane.
0: And by the way, real quick, uh, Trafalgar Group poll out, I guess yesterday, has Herschel Walker with the two-point lead over Warnock. Hmm.
1: Good stuff. Hey, I'm gonna see
0: both of you in a few hours. Hey, good luck tonight at tonight with WIBC. Uh, good luck to you too, Rob Kendall. Oh, I gotta be there too, don't I? Yeah,
1: you do. And good luck to Kevin. Hey, thanks for listening today. We're gonna count on you to be back here tomorrow. We may be half asleep, but you can wake us up. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Bye.